Hello everyone, welcome to today's episode of Millennial Learns. This is a Thursday episode and so that means we are going over the history of a state. Today's is Maryland. It was the seventh state to join the Union. And so each week on Thursdays we go over one state history, all the fun facts, the symbols, all that good stuff. Um, and so we're doing it in the order that the states join the Union. So Maryland is the seventh state to join the Union. I honestly knew barely anything about Maryland before studying this and did not know the history of Maryland at all. I knew Baltimore was there and that's about it. So I was very excited to learn a lot more about this state. Super interesting history and I hope you all enjoy. Let's get started. Alright, so before we get into the actual history of Maryland, I want to give a little context as to where it is, what the capital is, that sort of thing, so we just know what we're talking about here. So, Maryland is on the east coast of the United States, and you may have remembered that we talked a little bit about Maryland when we talked about the Mason-Dixon line in, I believe, the Delaware or Pennsylvania episodes. So, Maryland does share a border along the Mason-Dixon line. It is bordered to the north by Pennsylvania and to the east um, by Delaware. So, that is the Mason-Dixon line, uh, horizontal and then vertical line. And then it's also bordered by Virginia, West Virginia, and Washington, D.C. So it's in that pretty densely populated area on the East Coast. So geographically, that's where we're looking. And then the capital is Annapolis. Now, Baltimore is a huge city in Maryland, and that is what I feel like most people think the capital of Maryland is, but it's actually Annapolis. So like I also mentioned, it was the seventh state to join the Union, and so that became a state on April 28th, 1788, making it the seventh state. All right, so those are just the basics, like to get the context down, but now let's get into the history. So like all the states that we have studied up to this point, there were Native Americans that were living in the region and in the state before it actually you know became a state or before there were any European settlers that came over so it's all the same kind of groups of um, Native Americans that we have talked about before um, and a lot of there, there were multiple expeditions in like the 1500s that didn't ever go on the land of Maryland or really explore all that much. They explored just the coastline or just saw it. So although there were expeditions before this, um, the kind of consensus that I found online is that Maryland state history really starts in 1608 when Captain John Smith explored the Chesapeake Bay. That seems to be like the common starting point. I, again, I did find multiple expeditions by, I think, Spanish explorers that saw the coast or went into the, or, you know, saw the bay, um, but didn't do like a full exploration or um, get on, on land or anything like that. Now, they think the Native Americans made permanent settlements in what is now Maryland around the year 1200. So it was about 400 years later that European settlers um, and explorers found you know, America, and then came and settled. So 1608 is the first 
exploration of note of the Chesapeake Bay area. In 1631, the English trading post was established on Kent Island, which is a big step to getting settlers there and an economy going and things like that. In 1632, the Maryland Charter was granted to Cecilius Calvert by King Charles I. Now, King Charles I is, again, the king that we've studied in some other states um, that granted land charters to these other colonies. So, again, he he was the one that was really giving out these charters and he gave it to the Maryland he gave out the Maryland charter as well 1633 so just about 25 years after the exploration of Chesapeake Bay two ships called one called Ark and one called Dove sailed from the Isle of Wight in England setting sail for Maryland they arrived here the following year in 1634 and they arrived on St. Clement's Island and that is where St. Mary's City was founded. So Maryland has a long history of Catholicism and Catholic rule. And so you'll see some of these like Catholic names permeate throughout um, the history of Maryland. So St. Mary's City is one of those examples. In 1634 and 1635, the first General Assembly met at St. Mary's City, and this was a lawmaking assembly, so when all these colonies really started, they needed to set some ground rules for how this colony was going to operate. Those were usually called General Assemblies, and so just pretty soon after the first settlers settled in Maryland, they assembled this General Assembly of free men in order to establish the laws of the land. So the first elections didn't happen until about four years later in 1639. Those were held um, in the province for delegates to the assembly. So they would elect people into the assembly and those elections were ordered by the governor um, named Governor Calvert on Kent Island. And that I should mention that Governor Calvert is the one um, who was granted the charter. So he's like the founder of the colony. Okay, in 1645, there was something called Ingalls Rebellion, and they didn't give much detail in the timeline that I actually looked up that I will be linking, so I had to look at this other um, article about what Ingalls Rebellion actually was. There's a lot of details in that, so I tried to strike some sort of middle ground, but maybe this is an area we'll go into more later, but basically this guy named Richard Ingall led a rebellion against the proprietary government, which was the structure of government that was currently in Maryland. So this was also known as something called the plundering time, and there were multiple causes. There was just a lot of conflict around this time. It was a very unsettled period of like Maryland history. And so the the reasons for this were uh, there was a disputed claim. It was caused by William Claiborne's disputed claim with the Calverts over Kent Island. So that was one. There were also bad relations between Catholic minority elites and the Protestant majority. So like I said, a lot of the stuff in Maryland was founded by Catholics, but then a lot of Protestants came in and settled. And so there was this elite class of Catholics and the rest of the people were Protestants and so that caused a lot of conflict if they didn't agree with how something was being run. Um, and then the other cause was there was the English Civil War happening and so people in the colonies, they were, you know, these royal colonies, so there was some spillover between the politics of the English Civil War 
in the colonies and so some people sided on one side other people sided on a different side and so it just there were multiple causes but basically there was this big rebellion and a couple years of unrest okay in 1649 there was a law passed called an act concerning religion puritans um also in that same year founded uh, Providence, which is now the city of Annapolis, which is the capital. So again, not a ton of detail in this timeline about what an act concerning religion was, but I looked it up and this law that was passed, it imposed harsh penalties on people or against people who denied Christianity or broke some of the Old Testament commandments, like lying or things like that, saying the Lord's name in vain was a big one. So again as we've seen with a lot of these colonies very much christian uh ruled and the laws would directly you know basically yeah impose harsh harsh penalties for if you do not subscribe to christianity okay 1649 governor stone invited georgia uh, virginia puritans to settle in maryland which Again, with all the conflicts between Catholics and Protestants, um, you know, we're uh, inviting more settlers that are not Catholics necessarily. So um, they also had a lot of events on some of these timelines about different churches being made of all different denominations. So they said like, okay, first Baptist church was created first, um, you know, all these different denominations. And Maryland seems to be a little bit of a melting pot with a lot of different denominations. They're all Christianity that were mentioned, um, but it was pretty diverse uh, at a certain amount of time with all the different denominations there. Okay, in 1650, there was a shipwreck and there was a guy, Colonel Norwood, and a band and his like whole crew shipwrecked near the site of present-day Ocean City and then they actually stayed for a full month-long stay with what they called the Berlin Indians who were these hospitable group of Native Americans who fed them and nursed them back to health. Um, it was pretty, I don't want to say cutting edge, but it was pretty progressive at that time to like get nursed back to health by a group of Native Americans and they really reached out and showed kindness to this shipwrecked crew. So, that was in 1650. 1655 was something called the Battle of Severn. Now, this is referenced to a lot of times as um, the Puritan settlement of Providence. So it was, again, an extension of the English Civil War and those conflicts. And the Puritan settlers... Uh, okay, so, oh, I see. <laughs> My notes were a little off. So um, the conflict was between Puritan settlers Again, who were fighting against the forces that were aligned with Lord Baltimore, who was the basically ruler of the colony. In 1659, Baltimore County was established. In 1664, slavery was made legal by law in Maryland. Um, let's see, 1670, voting. This is an interesting one. So we see this like anti I guess it's a regression I would say so like slavery wasn't on the books as legal in Maryland it became legal then it started restricting voting to only land holding men with over 50 acres or 
planters with over 50 acres. And then you couldn't hold office unless you owned a thousand acres of land. So it just became like more restrictive and more kind of unjust for this period of time in the 1660s. 1676, the state house was completed in St. Mary's City. In 1689, there was what was called the Maryland Revolution of 1689, which Protestant associators tried to, or they did, overthrow propriety officers. So again, there was like a lot of um, conflict surrounding the structure of government in Maryland all the way back till the founding. So this proprietary uh, system of government was not well liked by a lot of the kind of lower class people. So that was the Maryland Revolution of 1689. In 1692, um, William and Mary declare Maryland a royal colony rather than a proprietary province. Again, the proprietary province really wasn't working that well. And this is like a big transition where some of the colonies went into this crown rule um, and so they were now a royal colony. In 1694 and 1695, um, the capital was moved from St. Mary's City to Anne Arundel Town, which is then renamed to Annapolis. So that is why the, the capital is Annapolis. All right, 1698, there was a monopoly of slave trade by the Royal African Company and it was abolished by parliament, which you would think, or at least I didn't think it all the way through. And I thought like, oh, that's good. I think that's like a step moving away from slavery, but really abolishing the monopoly just made it so that there was a drastic increase in slave imports because you didn't have to get slaves from this one specific company. So really like late 1600s was a very bad time uh, because there was just this rapid, rapid uptick of slaves. So, not good. Uh, 1704, the new state house in Annapolis was built, but then it burned in October of the same year. So, um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. They said it was finished and then there was a fire. So, 1708, England's Queen Anne grants Annapolis its city charter. So, this is, again, like... It's still under royal rule, and each city had to get a city charter. So even though Annapolis, um, uh, I don't think, I think this is when it got renamed to Annapolis. In 1718, Catholics were disenfranchised by the General Assembly. Again, there was a lot of Catholic-Protestant conflicts in Maryland. Like, this is a long-running theme. So... Um, They were disenfranchised by the General Assembly. In 1727, the Maryland Gazette is founded. This is the oldest continuously running and published newspaper in the United States. That was, it's this year, it is 95 years old, that newspaper. So pretty crazy. In 1729, Baltimore was founded. And in 1744, Native American chiefs of the Six Nations relinquished uh, their treaty. Uh, oh, they relinquished by treaty all claims to land in the colony. So 1744 is the year that kind of marks when the English settlers had bought all the land or um, agreed to take over all the land 
from the Native Americans. In 1755, French-speaking Catholics arrive in Baltimore from Nova Scotia. In 1765, we're starting to lead kind of up into revolutionary times. This is the first resistance to the Stamp Act and to unjust taxes in the colonies. And that was no different in Maryland. There was a lot of resistance to the Stamp Act there. And then 1767, the Mason-Dixon line established uh, Maryland's northern boundary. So again, we went into quite a bit of detail about the Mason-Dixon line in some of the other episodes. So if you're interested in how all that came to be, definitely go look at, I believe it's the Delaware episode, but it might be Pennsylvania. So anyway, that is 1767. And then that from there, we kind of get into the revolution and Maryland becoming a state. All right, so getting more into like Revolutionary War times, uh, we enter into 1776, in which four Marylanders signed the Declaration of Independence. So they wanted the revolution. They wanted independence from Britain. In 1783, Annapolis became the nation's capital from November of 1783 until August of 1784. 1784 comes around and George Washington resigned his commission in the State House also in 1784, Congress ratifies the Treaty of Paris in the State House, which officially recognized the United States as an independent and so sovereign nation. 1786, the Annapolis Convention is called for a meeting and how to dis or and to discuss the new form of government that America is going to take on and Maryland is going to take on. 1788, Maryland becomes the seventh state to ratify the U.S. Constitution. Woo, that was in April, as I mentioned before. In, 1780, in 1791, Maryland donates land for the new capital in Washington, D.C. Okay, so this I had no idea. I always kind of thought it came from Virginia for some reason. But the District of Columbia, even though it's not a state, like was part of Maryland. So... DC broke off of Maryland, or I guess more accurately, Maryland donated land for DC. And so, fun fact, DC used to be part of Maryland. So that happened in 1791 that it became separate. In 1806, the historic National Road, which stretched from Maryland to the Ohio River, is commissioned as America's first federally funded highway. Construction began in Cumberland five years later in 1811. So we're starting to get into kind of the transportation era where that is starting to become very important to connect all of these states as a new independent nation. Okay, in 1813, the British raid Havre de Grace during the War of 1812 in 1814, the British burn Washington and bomb Fort McHenry. Now, this is where Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner. He was actually watching Fort McHenry in Maryland burn and be bombarded. And that's when he wrote the Star Spangled Banner, which would later become the national anthem. It was actually written under a different name and it was renamed to Star Spangled Banner years later. Um, so... 1826, the public schools were established by law in Maryland, and then Jews were also given the right to vote and hold public office. In 1828, 
the CNO Canal and the BNO Railroad were uh, started to be built. That I don't know if that sentence made sense. Building started on both of those things. Uh, in 1829, that CNO canal that had been started the year before opened for the first time. So actually, like pretty quick construction on that, but again, more transportation emphasis. So the B&O Railroad is actually called the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. The first 13 miles of track um, connected Baltimore to Ellicott City, and that is where America's first railroad terminal opened in 1831. Okay, 1833, the Seven Arch Monocacy added, oh my gosh, Monocacy Aqueduct is completed. It became the largest structure on the CNO Canal. It measured more than 500 feet in length and survived hurricanes and Confederate attacks. So they made it well. It is a strong structure, and that aqueduct is very important to Maryland. Okay, 1837, the Baltimore Sun newspaper begins publication, which is a big part of the Baltimore city, you know, uh, communication system there. 1838, it says, disguised as a sailor, Frederick Douglass boards a train to Harvard de Grace and finds freedom from slavery. The Eastern Shore native later the Eastern Shore native later gains international fame as an orator and statesman. I do not know why that was so hard for me to read, but yes, Frederick Douglass is from Maryland and he um, escaped and found freedom. 1844, the world's first telegraph line between Baltimore and Washington was established. And then in 1845, the school that would become the U.S. Naval Academy is established at Fort Severn, Annapolis. It only had seven professors at first and 40 midshipmen, it says. So, like, very one-on-one sort of teaching. Seven professors and 40 midshipmen. 1849, Edgar Allan Poe dies while traveling in Baltimore. He is laid to rest at a memorial grave in the Westminster Burying Ground in Baltimore. So he's not actually from Maryland, but he died in Maryland and was buried there. So we just actually went over the state that Edgar Allan Poe was from, and now they're all mixing together in my mind. I'm pretty sure it was Massachusetts. And so he, you know, Edgar Allan Poe does have a big history, I guess, in Maryland, which was interesting. All right, 1850, one year after escaping slavery in the Cambridge area, Harriet Tubman becomes a conductor on the Underground Railroad and rescues numerous family members and friends. So this is another big thing about Maryland that I was unaware of. There is a huge history of the Underground Railroad coming through Maryland because of Harriet Tubman. And so this is like a a big part of their history is like around the Civil War era being an advocate for freedom and rescuing um, people from slavery. Because it's a little bit more south than some of the other states we have researched, it was more of a borderline state, I believe, like, or closer to the southern border. And so that's why, part of the reason why it had such a huge role in, like, the Underground Railroad. Okay, yeah, so this actually says that 
yes, Maryland was a border state of the revolution. So the sentiment was pretty split. It was technically like a slave state, but it stayed in the union. But a lot of people in that state also did not want slavery. So it was really in the middle, in the thick of it, in the war. So the Underground Railroad played a factor, but then slavery was um, legal. So anyway, Maryland has a very complicated history around the Civil War. Okay, the... Uh, in 1861, the first bloodshed of the Civil War occurs in Baltimore. In 1862, the Confederate forces defeated are defeated at Antietam. This is remembered as the single bloodiest day of the Civil War. Um, let's see. In 1864, it wasn't until 1864 that Maryland actually abolished slavery. So, yes, that means during the Civil War, Maryland had slavery be legal. Now, most of the northern states actually abolished slavery before the Civil War even began, some of them well in advance of the Civil War. But these border states a lot of times had slavery still be legal, but they didn't actually succeed from the Union. So they fought on the Union side, but they still had slavery legal up until 1864, which is like a year before the war ended. Now, this was not part of the Emancipation Proclamation. If you go back and listen to the Civil War episode, the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect on January 1st, 1863. And that applied only to the southern states that actually were not a part of the Union anymore. They had succeeded. succeeded. I feel like I'm saying that weird. Seceded. Um, so, Maryland was part of neither group. It was still legal, it was right in the middle, and it took a year after the Emancipation Proclamation for Maryland to outlaw slavery. Okay, 1865, Dr. Samuel Mudd, a Waldorf-based physician, treats John Wilkes Booth's broken leg after Booth assassinates President Abraham Lincoln, and he flees into southern Maryland. Okay, 1867... Present Maryland Constitution is adopted. So, again, states have been through a couple constitutions on the state level. And so the, the one that is in use present day um, has been around since 1867. 1875 says the present day Thomas Point Shoal Light is one of the most recognizable symbols in Maryland. That is completed in 1875. It is the Chesapeake Bay's only screw pile light that's still in its original location. So very historic there. In 1876, John Hopkins University was founded. Um, let's see, Babe Ruth was born in 1895. He was born in Baltimore. 1900, okay, so now we've reached the 1900s. The first passenger train from Washington, D.C. arrives at Chesapeake Beach. Today, Chesapeake Beach and its sister city, North Beach, are known for boutiques, eateries, and quiet beach fun. So, the industry is really picking up here. There's now a passenger train from D.C. 1904, there was something called the Great Baltimore Fire. This burned, like, a ton of Baltimore. Downtown Baltimore was almost completely destroyed by this, and that happened in 1904. 1909, Wilbur Wright conducted flight training for military aviators at a new airfield and hangar in College Park. This is recognized today as the world's oldest continually operating airport. So, Wilbur Wright has 
a big history here and there's a strong aviation history in Maryland. Okay, 1933, a four-day storm in Ocean City cuts an inlet that becomes a permanent link between the ocean and bay, signaling the dawn of the town's prominence as a sports fishing center. That's pretty interesting. Okay, it's not until 1936 that the University of Maryland School of Law admitted the first African-American student. So that is late, it seems. Um, I guess maybe not because a lot of the integration, I think, happened later. So it's still maybe ahead of its time, but it just seems so late. Like 1930 does not seem like that long ago. And schools were still segregated so crazy um let's see baltimore sun journalist philip wagner opens 40 vineyards the first of more than 65 wineries now operating in the state so yeah there are maryland is a pretty small state but it still has 65 wineries that are operating today so big emphasis on wine Okay, some of these are like, I don't understand, or I don't recognize the people. Like one of them is um, a children's book author, um, writes this children's book, and I'm not, not aware of the children's book. So, um, okay, 1967, Thurgood Marshall becomes the first African-American justice of the Supreme Court. In... 1980, Baltimore celebrates the grand opening of the Harbor Place, a shopping, dining, and entertainment complex central to the city's inner harbor redevelopment. Um, okay, then all the industry and stuff kind of catches up with Maryland. The, there's environmental issues with, like, the Chesapeake Bay. So in 1985, they began an environmental program to clean up the bay. Let's see, there's a few other like sports ones here, but okay, 1995, Annapolis celebrates its 300 year anniversary as the capital of Maryland. The Ravens beat the Giants in Super Bowl 35. Had to read the Roman numerals. That was in 2001. Okay, Michael Phelps is from Maryland, and in 2004, he was the first American to win eight medals which six were gold in a single Olympic Games. That was like a huge Olympic Games moment when he was like winning all of the uh, medals and stuff. So he, that was interesting. I did not know he was from Maryland. Um, the rest of them were all just kind of sports in 2008. Michael Phillips won his eight gold medals at the 2008 Beijing Games. A lot of these are Michael Phelps. 2012, Michael Phelps competes in the 2012 Summer Olympics. He won four gold and two silver. And then in 2013, the Ravens defeat San Francisco 49ers in the Super Bowl. And I'm not even going to try to interpret those Roman numerals. It's XLVII, which I think is 48. I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure it's 48. Okay, so that is the history of Maryland. Again, super interesting. I didn't know anything about that i i studied the civil war and i knew like the northern and the southern states and stuff but i forgot that maryland was actually a border state so um very mixed sentiments uh, about slavery in maryland but 
big destination for the Underground Railroad. Harriet Tubman was a major player there. Um, Just a lot of fascinating history with Maryland, how they donated the land for Washington, D.C., which is, again, why they border Washington, D.C. Makes a lot of sense now. So I hope you learned a lot about the Maryland history. Now, the things I want to talk about uh, now, famous people from Maryland. Okay, we mentioned a few, but Kevin Durant, Michael Phelps, this list had Harriet Tubman, although I'm pretty sure she escaped into Maryland because it said she escaped uh, into freedom from slavery. So anyway, she was at least a major player of, of Maryland. Babe Ruth was from there. Anna Ferris, Pete Sampras, and David Hasselhoff are all from uh, Maryland. So, okay, state symbols. My favorite part of, of every state study. Actually, no, let me go over the basic facts first before we go over the fun state symbols. So like I mentioned, Annapolis is the capital. Um, Okay, so why is it named Maryland? So it is named Maryland in honor of Henrietta Maria, Queen of Charles I of England. It says the charter that Lord Baltimore received in 1632 from King Charles I of England specified a name for the new colony. It was going to be called Maryland to honor King Charles's wife, Queen Henrietta Maria. So, name after the king's wife. The state motto is very long and in Latin, but it means manly deeds, womanly words, or strong deeds, gentle words, depending on, I guess, the interpretation of how people interpret it. Okay, there's a lot of nicknames for Maryland. The official nickname that I found was the Old Line State. It's also called America in Miniature because there's so many different climates and um, things to explore. Like every climate is basically available in Maryland except for a desert because there's the bay. So you get some water, you get like a little mountainous region. So there's a lot of variety within the state, which makes it a beautiful state. And they call it America in miniature. They also call it the oyster state, the Chesapeake state, the free state, the Terrapin state, the monumental state. So there's a lot. The state song is Maryland, my Maryland, which makes sense. Um, I forgot to look up the population, so I'm doing that right now. Hold on. The population of Maryland is just over 6 million, so pretty darn dense since it's not that big of a state. Okay, and then here's the climate. So there are 44 inches of rain average a year in Maryland. The U.S. average is 38 inches, so higher than average. They have lower than average snow though, 19 inches of snow, the US average is 28. That's because they're moving more, you know, south towards like the warmer climates um, and less northern, which gets the most snow. About average sunny days, 202 sunny days, the US average is 205. The comfort index is eight in winter and five, or sorry, eight in summer and five in winter. Now, like, the hottest months, like I think it was July, have actually a lower comfort index and then it kind of goes up again for the next month of summer. It's because there is a a couple months in summer there that just gets so hot, like very, very hot and humid. So it's actually not as comfortable. So the most comfortable months are like early summer to like 
fall time period. Um, and yeah, it can get very, very hot and humid. So um, good thing to go, like I would avoid going in the winter and also avoid going in like the peak, peak of the summer. So, all right, let's talk about all the state symbols. So the state bird is the Baltimore Oriole. I'm pretty sure the Orioles are the baseball team. I could be wrong on that because I'm no baseball expert, but I'm pretty sure the Orioles are a team. This was adopted in 1947. There are special provisions that have to be made for its protection because it's on like a endangered or, you know, endangered list. So it's black and gold. At one point, this species and the Bullock's Oriole were considered to be one species called the Northern Oriole, and then they were split into two species. Okay, state cat is the calico cat. This was adopted on October 1st, 2001. A calico cat is a tricolored cat, which are mostly female. So they are another state that has a state cat, which is so cute. Their state crustacean is a blue crab. It was adopted in 1989. The scientific name translates to beautiful swimmer that is savory. So uh, the sweetness of that is comparable to lobster meat, this says, and it's originally known as the Chesapeake blue crab. The state dessert is something called Smith Island cake. Now I had never heard of this before, but it's a very specific dessert to Maryland. And what it is, it's eight to 10 layers of yellow cake with chocolate frosting between each layer. And then it's like coated with the same chocolate frosting. And Smith Island, where the name originates from, is the state's last inhabited island. It's reachable only by boat. And this cake was named after the island. The state dog is the Chesapeake Bay Retriever. It was adopted in 1964. It was named after the Bay region where the breed comes from. And it's specifically, it was specifically breeded to recover waterfowl for hunters. So it makes sense that it's like near a bay and near a lot of like hunting grounds. The state's drink is milk, which I thought was like funny and quirky. The first couple states that we studied where their drink is milk, but it turns out that many states have a state drink of milk, but this was adopted in 1988 and milk is primarily found in the Frederick and Washington counties. There are about 55,000 milk cows throughout Maryland. Okay, the state fish is the rockfish or striped bass as it can be called. This was the first state to adopt the striped bass or rockfish. It was on April 8th, 1965, and it is found in the Chesapeake Bay. The state sport is jousting, which I thought was pretty interesting. That was adopted in 1962. It was the first state Maryland was to adopt an official sport. And then for it to be jousting, I was a little confused, but I read that tournaments like jousting tournaments have been held in Maryland ever since colonial times. They've evolved over time, but they're still a big deal. They still um, are held to this day. And then their state tree is the white oak. This was adopted in 1941. And the specific state tree, like, you know, white oak is like the 
type of tree but there's this specific tree called the Y oak and this is the oldest white oak in the country it's 40 440 years old and so this is really considered like the specific Maryland state tree okay so that's all I have for state symbols there's a, a good amount more but those are the big interesting ones that I saw and then let's go over some attractions that you can see so first of all there's the Ocean City boardwalk a lot of these coastal states have just a ton of amazing boardwalks um, there's also the Assateague Island which is the island with all the horses I believe there was a picture of these beautiful horses like running on the beach and it just looks so nice to go to I really want to go there there's also the Chesapeake Bay Maritime Museum since there's such a long history of you know boats and um, water activities so there's a whole maritime museum there there's the Harriet Tubman Underground Railroad Visitor Center and scenic byway there's Smith Island that the cake is named after there's Fort McHenry, which is again where Francis Scott Key wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. The U.S. Naval Academy is there, and there's the Antietam National Battlefield. So that is a lot of the attractions you can see. Again, there's a lot more that I am not going to go into just because we only have so much time. But there are a ton of things to do in Maryland. Again, miniature America implies that there's just a ton of variety in the state, a lot of different things to check out. So. I, this made me really want to go check out Maryland, just not at certain months of the year because of the weather. So that's all for my study of Maryland. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned a lot. And I will see you on Monday for the next podcast episode. Bye, everyone.